Round two. You lucky, lucky people. Two episodes in one week. We are on the move. Um, I'm really lucky to be joined today by an absolute legend in and on um, many fields, uh, be that sport, business, or just being a top, top guy. Um, I hope you enjoy this as much as I enjoyed recording it and talking to uh, the great man, Fran Cotton. Hope you enjoy. Adam. <laughs> Genius. I can't scream you. No, I've just turned I've just turned on my uh, I was just 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 getting my hair sorted for you. Alright, okay. You've had a per, a per is it a perm or I'm a, <laughs> I'm I'm just desperately trying to hide my um my my ever ever increasing greys to be honest. So uh, it's a it's a it's Well a, I, I don't have any problem there. It's now white, so <laughs> it can't be the greys. I think that's a better look. It's a much better look than um than than just having sort of partial grey patches like I like I have. Yeah, I think it's a little bit more sophisticated and yeah. you know. Which which is which is which is very me, isn't it? <laughs> very. So how are you doing? Are you serious in the gang doing? Yeah, we're good, Fran. I have to be really honest. Um, we've had a pretty good run of things after a bit of a tough start. So Sue's lost her job on April the first last year, which was a bit of a shocker. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, which obviously lots of people have, and so it's it's no worse or better than anyone else. But we've not experienced that first hand before and that was quite um that was quite yeah, yeah. quite quite full on um she's then bounced back pretty well really well working for this uh, american um well-being company so she's yeah. she's absolutely crushed it but um it was yeah it's a it's an interesting um interesting view when it happens to you and your loved ones because it's pretty tough um for that oh, for, yeah. for that for, for, for that period and uh thankfully that's all that's all. That's all. Bounce back. Yeah, and the uh, the kids, well, kids. Uh, so Bella, Bella and Pippa. Um, and you'll 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 like this. So they um, they're obviously home homeschooling. Um, Belzy uh, was is, is shown quite an interest in the podcast, and she was she was um, she was asking who I was who, who I was talking to, and obviously she 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 speaks to her to, to uh, Ken um, a fair bit. And she was saying, um, she's saying, Daddy, who have you got on? I was like, Oh, I've got, um, I've got Charlie and uh, Benji's grandpa, Fran. And uh, she's like, Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I was like, What would you ask? What would you ask, Fran? And it was just classic, classic, um, classic um, child. She went, Can you ask Frank? Can you ask Frank if he can get Ian, yeah. Ian, to buy me a horse? And I thought that is a, that is the ins- <laughs> that is the insightful question which you want from an eight-year-old. So yeah, well, I'll, uh, I'll make sure I ask the question. I'm not purely uh, going to get a positive. He has promised. He has promised. So as 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 right. as her godfather, he made a throwaway yeah. comment when she was four, um, and now she's eight, and it's one of those things which she's just held on to. She's like, well, Ian said that he would. <laughs> so, well, so yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. Don't forget. And how's uh, how's your work going along? How's uh, um, business there? Again, the I mean, it's property world. I think if you read if you read the headlines every day, it it will look um, pretty dire. And obviously, it is tough. And you know that as well, don't you? From the from the retail side of things, and the yeah, yeah. Debenhams news has um, been a long time coming. The Topshop news. Again, I don't know if I've just got really lucky. Um, or if it's a bit of hard work, or we're just in a good position, we are we're doing okay. I mean, I, I said um, again, I speak to Ian a fair bit, um, and we sort of and we, and we compare notes, and I think surviving twenty twenty was was a was a was a victory, um, and we and we did that. We've just signed for a new office on uh, Carnaby Street, um, which is right. which is really exciting. So it's 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 a really exciting time. I mean, look, it's very very difficult and quite demanding, but. It's still it's still happening, so um, lucky, and I'm and I'm bumbling along, sort of living in a living in a world where I have at least two, maybe three split personalities because I'm doing this um, doing the fit thing on a Sunday morning where um, Ian was one of the one of the founding members, where we used to um, catch up catch up over a video call and just do some kettlebell swings and press ups and just see how everyone's doing, and that's we've got sort of ten people doing that every week, which is good fun. And then, yeah, yeah. and then, obviously, I've now decided that um, what the world needs at this time is uh, another another podcast to crash into the crowded uh, environment, and and I'm the person who can <laughs> who can who can bring something different. The man. Yeah. The man. <laughs> um, yeah. Um. And at the moment, my interests seem to be my business, um, 
and um, a bit of sport when there's when there's some when, when there's a chance to watch it. So what I'm what I'm doing um, is I'm speaking to people who I know in the first instance. Um, and last week I spoke to a friend um, who was the former. Um, uh, he, was, he, he was involved with the Olympic hockey squad in their strength and conditioning. He worked at Saracens, and then after that. Um, he he passed me on to somebody um, somebody who he knew um, who's willing to have a chat with me um, who I don't know or I or I met briefly and there just sort of sort of explore if I can meet meet more more interesting people and just sort of learn from there. I mean, people are saying what's your end goal, and I suppose my end goal is just to keep talking to people who I find interesting. And once that stops, then this all this all dies a death. But um, I think it's fair to I think it's fair to say. Um, you're very interesting for lots of reasons. I've you've you've seen pictures of my of my notebook, which hopefully my clients don't see because I've I've never done so much prep for a conversation before. So this <laughs> yeah, this this could be my best ever pitch. I'm really pleased that you're able to give up some time and have a have a chat with me. Is that you're a real triple threat in my eyes? So I think most importantly for me, and it just seems that you're just one of life's really really good guys. Um, you're obviously um, a husband, dad, uh, grandfather. Um, you, you and I have met over the years through my friendship with Ian, um, and you've been wonderfully welcoming to my family and I. And I get the impression, doing my research into it, I can't find anyone, apart from a couple of Welsh props in the late 70s, who's got a bad word to say about you. <laughs> so so that's, that's, that's the main thing I... I I don't know, Fran. It was it was a it was the first thing which came up on the uh, Google search pages of it. But um, but yeah, so you're a top top bloke, and we'll touch on that later. And how we've had some had some great times together. And um, even though Susie's in the room, I'd say that Perpignan weekend was uh, one of the best weekends I've been away on. So hopefully we can hopefully we can talk the about that. Words of rage. <laughs> had a very difficult... <laughs> a, a very difficult evening, Fran. Had a very difficult evening. Um, but you also, and I hope you don't mind me saying, uh, you're also um, obviously a sporting legend, which um, is fantastic. And hopefully, if it's okay with you, we can we can, we can talk a bit about that. If that's yeah, that, that's yeah, all right. Sure. Um, and then on top of that, top bloke, sporting legend, and people might think I'm talking about myself here. Uh, you're also a highly successful. Um, businessman so really you've absolutely nailed it and that's why I'm really pleased to have you on here I suppose before I let you talk and I have got questions rather than me just talking about you I just wanted to there's just run a couple of numbers by you which I find yeah just because obviously I know you um hopefully um well most people will 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 know you but if we start on the sporting side sport, sporting side first see what you learned there how it helped you in business helped you in life and we'll go from there but some some numbers I've I've uh, taken from my from my research and capped 31 times by England. I think played on both sides of the scrum, which you wouldn't get these days very often. Uh, cap- yeah, that's right. Yeah, is there is there is there much of a difference for a man who hasn't done too many scrums? Did you was that was that something you were able to do quite easily, or was that lots of training behind closed doors? Uh, no, I think it started from uh, when I first started senior rugby with Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I actually just kept swapping sides, and I got, I just got used to it. I learned both positions, mm-hmm. and in the end, I didn't really have a, have a preference. You just need a little bit of time to adjust. But uh, I think for a lot of people, it's just a mental, psychological block of saying, "Oh, I can't play the other side." Yeah. By and large, because they've never done it or never persevered with it. So I, uh, my experience of playing tight head comes down to uh, <laughs> very, very long back, like an Argentinian prop. That'd be the, the that'd, yeah. be, that'd be that. Were that'd you be... number twelve or thirteen? I, I sort of, uh, well, I was a, I like to badge myself a bit like Andy Farrell when he came to uh, rugby union. So never, never quite at my best. A bit slow, but sort of like a hard carry. That, that was how I, how I saw it. I didn't have any pace, but I had uh, quite a nice pass. So. As long as everyone around me had uh, had pace, I could carry and try and try a try a offload. And Ian always said you were very strong defensively. <laughs> well, I, I, he's 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 very kind. I think I think we um, we had some tough years where we were both a bit out of our depth in uh, 
in some quite high level leagues. I think my defence probably got good um, because I had so much practice. <laughs> it was a, it was a, it was, it was a constant. It was almost like eighty minutes of defence, and if you scored a try, or, or, yeah. But no, I, 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 I really, really in, in, enjoyed that, and maybe made up for my, uh, for my, for my, for my shortcomings. Um, you captain England three times. Um, which is yeah, obviously yeah, 1975. What's that like when you uh, when you hear that news? The, uh, it had been talked about, and had also had a meeting with the uh, then coach uh, John Burgess in the summer mm-hmm. about it. So it wasn't totally unexpected, but of course, until it's announced, you never know. But uh, I'm in a, an incredibly proud moment for myself and my family. So uh, no, it's wonderful news. Who was that against? Yeah, it was Ireland. The way. Oh, right. Yeah. Did yeah. you? Did you? John McBride was the uh, opposing captain. Hmm. Did you win? Uh, no, we lost. In fact, we lost all three games. I was <laughs> captain, so. Which you could, <laughs> I think. I mean, you're a very positive guy. I'm glass half full at the best of times. I would spin that as a hundred percent record as captain. <laughs> you were a Lions tourist three times. New Zealand in 1977. We- so, 74, 77, so, 80. And also you were involved in the 97 Lions where um, you, were probably, you, you were part of probably one of the more more famous sporting documentaries and that's probably how you how, how the Lions came into everyone's consciousness, certainly for my generation, that, that Lions. Yeah, living with Lions, yeah. they still talk about it. They still reckon it's the best sporting video of all time. Huh? I think it is. We, um, we again... Ian and I, through the years, we played against John Bentley when he was at Clackheaton, and because because of how yeah because of I mean he's a, he was a real star on that on that um, in that documentary wasn't he and he scored some amazing tries. Yeah, yeah. And, Every team needs a character like Bentley. Well, I mean, uh, I mean we we were I mean I, I was particularly starstruck because he was playing um, he played ten and ten part twelve in that game and he and he and he, and he ran ran circles around me for the whole whole 80 minutes but it was it was just fantastic it was he, he was such a good bloke he was like he was on that um document documentary my younger sister um came up to me after the uh, match i was talking to john trying to get some tips from him and my younger sister just um put her grubby fingers in his uh, in his post-match pie and walked off and i was <laughs> so my only my only was i very starstruck sort of he was a bit shocked that yeah, this yeah. little toddler but he was he was a great guy um I think I didn't know this, but you captained uh, Northwest Counties to victory in 1972 against the All Blacks, and you also played in what is sort of the more famous uh, version of that in 1979 when the North beat the All Blacks. Is that that's that's correct. That, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I played against the All Blacks eight times, won four, drawn one, and lost three. Fantastic. What was that like in 1972 at um, Workington when you were? Uh, well. It, I mean, it, we were the first regional team ever to beat the uh, the All Blacks, uh, and you couldn't get a kind of a more northern setting than Workington, which is uh, obviously on the uh, coast of the uh, beautiful Lake District. But I always remember about halfway through the second half, we were next to the steelworks, mm-hmm. and suddenly this great plume of orange smoke drifted across the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh God, what, what the All Blacks think of this playing here? But it was it was great to do it in front of a very partisan Northern crowd. Yeah, and then to do it do it again with the North at Otley, I think. Uh, well, well, yeah, the, that was a uh, really comprehensive victory, and uh, yeah, once again in front of a Northern crowd, Yorkshire crowd. Uh, I always remember at the end of the one end of the pitch they uh, they had these uh, line of poplar trees and there must have been 10 or 12 people in each of the poplar trees trying to watch the game fantastic it's a shame those games can't or don't happen now isn't it it's a great concept it's a great concept and i think uh, you know the regions particularly miss out a lot because uh, they never see the all blacks or the springboks or the uh, australians argentinians all yeah. those tours that used to take place, and it was a uh, a great way of promoting the game. Yeah, and... uh, but uh, you know, professional rugby is uh, taking shape, and uh, you know the calendar's so full they can't 
they can't fit those kind of games in and I'm not sure the players want to do it these days. No, I think that's maybe maybe the big difference. It's a shame you can't get the same sort of partisan crowd like they do in um, State of Origin for, for the Rugby League in Australia because that's, that's just incredible, isn't it, how, how those, uh, those two states light up. I mean, that's the, uh, certainly the, the, probably the best and the toughest rugby I've ever seen. I mean, the, uh, I never realised that Queensland and New South Wales were such arch enemies, but it's the classic city slickers against the country boys, isn't it? It's a bit like the North playing London. Yeah, indeed. So the, uh, the same concept. I've always said, I think, do, do you think it would work here in the UK to have something like that, North v. South? I think... It should do, as a as a as a principle. I mean, if you look at, I mean, I still day to day, people still make northern jokes to me. As I, if my camera was working, you would you see that I'm sat here with a picture of the Angel of the North um, behind yeah, me. Yeah. Um, I've got a St Helens mug, which I got specially to taunt you with, um, <laughs> and 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 I still call the North home, which is odd after yeah. 15 years away. So I think it's definitely the passion amongst the public. But I suppose, as you say, if you've been battered all season in your club game and international caps, do you want to go and do it one more time? Maybe not. Yeah, there's, there's just too much rugby, in fact, uh, overall. But, um, yeah, that, uh, that's really the result of the, uh, the game really not being financially stable. I mean, there's a kind of... Um, association with play more games more money not always true of course no no if you look at american football i think they play uh f- 14 games yes. in a season and they seem to do commercially pretty well i was uh, actually I, I made a note about american football because i couldn't find anything about it but i recall hearing or maybe it was from you that um, when you were playing, did you did you go and meet some of? Was it Dallas Cowboys you you met or you trained there with yeah, England? It was, it was uh, Smithy who was the captain on that very arduous tour of England to the USA, mm-hmm. and uh, they uh, they went for a visit. The uh, the Dallas Cowboys were the team in the NFL in uh, in those days. Yeah, and uh, the England team. Uh, met them and it was so funny because the manager of the England tour was the president, a great guy called David Brooks, who was a Harlequins, but a real uh, a real humorous kind of bloke and uh, the uh, Dallas Cowboys coach won this over to him and said uh, uh, could you tell me who owns this team? <laughs> and David looked at him and said, well I suppose in principle, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh... And then they uh, they tested them on one or two uh, fitness tests uh, and speed endurance tests. And Clive Woodward was probably the uh, the best guy in the England team to do those. Yeah. <laughs> and he did the test and he said, Clive, that was pretty good. He said, but you came to us would take two seconds off your time and put on 20 kilos. (laughs) (laughs) They are are massive, aren't they? The size of those guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely vast. Um, My my last two facts, which I found out are, which which I really think is so so impressive, you've been voted as part of the all-time Lions 15 um, and England 15. So... um, Congratulations, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, truly, I mean, there's some, there's some very, there's a very long list of names there, and, so it, and that's that's obviously fantastic, isn't it? It's, um, I mean, I never really take much notice of those because it's almost like a uh, a pub game, you know. Who do you who do you think's the best? And I'm sure uh, a lot of people didn't even have never seen even seen those players play, but. I, you're right. It's very flattering, anyway, when you are uh, selected them. So, uh, yeah, yeah, very nice. Who um who was the hardest opponent you played against? So taking you away from Paperambord. Sorry, Robert Paperambord. French, I guess. French, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was a Basque prop from Poe, mm-hmm. uh, and he, he had. Um, very peculiar shoulders that they uh, they kind of sloped um, 
and what you found is when you pushed against him, he kept slipping off the side of his uh, shoulder. So he was, it was quite difficult to purchase against, but he was a great prop. Yeah. Uh, I would say the best I played again. And, you know, there were a number of Graham Price had certainly built there. Uh, Ray McLaughlin, the uh, the Irish um, uh, tight head prop, loose head prop, he was uh, uh, a great player. But generally, the British and the French were the, uh, the best best props that I played against. I think um, I think the chap you mentioned there, Price, was um, he writes for one of the Welsh newspapers, or he gets he appears, yeah, 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 yeah and he was. Um, um, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was some. I think he was comparing you to a to a to a great a great English oak, but 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 oak trees can't throw punches. It was that sort of. It was that. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was that sort of praise. I think which uh, which was yeah. um, which was which I think great to, great to hear from. Obviously a very a very good player. Um, I'd love you to tell the story if you don't mind. Um, and I might have over inflated it in my mind. I've told it many times to to friends um i think you went down to south africa either for england or or lions at some stage and it was early on in your career um and you were you were looking at your opposite number i think in the match day program and he'd come back from some injury from being on safari or something similar is that is that a fair uh, no i tell you it was it was a um 74 lions the first game was against uh Western Transvaal in uh, Potchefstroom, mm-hmm. and you know, like you know yourself, you first thing you do when you go in the dressing room, you drop your kit back off, and there's normally a pile of match day programs on the uh, table in the middle of the dressing room, mm-hmm. and you always sit there, pick pick one up, have a look what they say about you, and then you look at the opposition, and uh, I remember uh, reading the notes on the uh, uh, on the Western Transvaal team, and they had a second row called Jan Tromp, <laughs> and uh, went through his statistics, which were impressive: six foot six, eighteen stone. But then it went on to say that this guy had killed a leopard with his bare hands, <laughs> and you can imagine the thoughts running through your mind, thinking, "Bloody hell, I can't believe <laughs> who's this guy killing a leopard with his bare hands." <laughs> And uh, he was a massive bloke. Yeah. Not very good rugby player, but he was big. What did yours uh, say, Fran? Well, well Fran, Fran Cotton from Wigan. School, school teacher from Wigan. That was about <laughs> it, yeah. But, I absolutely uh, I love that. quite as impressive as his CV of kill, killing a leopard. No, I, I, it is that, 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 that story. I, I almost tell it to myself sometimes, and it always makes me, makes me uh, giggle because I. Like you, I think when whenever my match did actually merit a program, the joy of seeing your name in print and having a having a quick look—it's always it's always good fun. Mine normally ended up being um, a typo, and I was called Alan Binman or something similar. So maybe not quite, <laughs> not quite as um, not quite as uh, as as uh, exciting. Um, on the next Lions tour, you went to New Zealand, um, seventy-seven. Um, it's, where, it's where that fame, the, the famous Mudman image photo was was taken, which is obviously part of rugby rugby history, and I'm sure you've seen it a few times. Yeah, I actually remember the moment that was taken. Uh, it was taken by a chap called Colin Elsie, who had his own uh, uh, photographic agency called Colour Sport. He was a great guy, and a, uh, a fanatical. Uh, rugby follower and a great sports uh, photographer mm-hmm. and um, it was in Windy Wellington we were playing the New Zealand juniors and it's been raining for three days and this is how stupid the organisers were, they had three warm up games on the pitch <laughs> before the main game the Lions against the New Zealand juniors Yeah, and that photograph was taken in the last minute of the game when everybody was in the same situation absolutely dripping in mud yeah and the reason that that that's kind of caught the uh the whites of my eyes which kind of accentuate the uh, uh the mud covered uh, face was because it we were right in front of the main stand mm-hmm. and 
I was at the front of the lineup with my hands on my knees, and I'm now looking up at the substitute bench, who are all rolling over in laughter. <laughs> yeah. And relaxed because they're confident that they're not going to get on. Yeah. And they didn't want to get on. <laughs> so that's the. Uh, so I remember it actually being taken, looking at Colin and him taking the yeah. photograph. No, and, I. Uh, I never realised the significance of that photograph until it was 77 Queen's Jubilee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in celebration of the Queen's Jubilee, the RFU organised a game between the returning Lions and the Barbarians. Yeah. First time the Lions had ever played at home. And uh, we arrived um, on the team coach into the West End car park. And the whole of the car parts are waving the programme and nobody's it. So, you know, what on earth's happening? Anyway, we got off the coach and people asking for autographs. And why they were waving it was because on the outside back cover of the programme was that photograph. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And it's followed me ever since. Yeah, I mean, it... We put it, we put it in our dance downstairs loon make sure people don't stay in there <laughs> well i mean to your credit you uh you you obviously knew you you, you knew your way to the camera because you're you're staring straight down the barrel and i sense you're probably tensing a bit as well just to get your best angle <laughs> <laughs> is it um is it true that on that and again it i may have misread it but it's it's suggested that in one of the tour games the lion scrum was so dominant that the other team would reduce their scrum down to three men. Yeah, that was the uh, final test, fourth test in 1977. We went in, we were 2-1 down in the series going yeah. into the fourth test. And we had a, it was probably the best scrum I ever played in. Uh, myself, Peter Wheeler and uh, Graham Price, uh, Billy Beaumont and uh, Gordon Brown. It was a, you know, it was a top class uh, from five, yeah, and uh, we'd always been been a very wet tour. We couldn't wait to get them on a dry pitch where we could really scrummage properly. And anyway, we did in that fourth test, and they we gave them a right larruping in the uh, the scrums. Yeah, and apparently they they actually had practiced putting a three man scrum down. It's amazing, isn't it? The thinking being get the ball quickly away and. Uh, yeah, and off they went, and that's what they called. They called. In some ways, I give them credit for doing it. Yeah, uh, because it did work. You know, they got the ball quickly away, and uh, off they went. But uh, yeah, for about half a dozen scrums, they put a three-man scrum down. I mean, they, the old, the, the New Zealand public just couldn't believe it because they'd never seen an all-black forward pack so uh, decimated in. Uh, in the scrums and sadly we lost the game the last second mm-hmm. uh, when we should have really won convincingly we were by far the better team yeah. but anyway that's so such is life yeah it's it's sort of similar to the Italy game versus England a few years ago in the uh, Six Nations when Italy stopped entering the the ruck didn't they so there was no offside line oh, yeah, yeah. yeah sort of sort everybody's of, confused yeah. about the rules I remember yeah. I think it was Rob Shaw was the captain, the England captain, mm-hmm. and he asked the uh, the French uh, referee, uh, you know, what's what's the law? And he looked at me and said, "I am the referee, not the coach." <laughs> <laughs> just, just, which is just, just, just fantastic. And my last question on that tour, Fran, a twenty-six match tour. Yeah, well, it was I mean, uh, fantastic. Can imagine, can imagine being away three and a half months. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Uh, yeah, three and a half months. So uh, twenty six games, and the final game was in Fiji, which we lost. So it just tells you we had a very, very good end of tour party. End of tour session. Uh, I bet the atmosphere. <laughs> I bet the atmosphere in Fiji was amazing because I don't think the Lions will have been to Fiji too often. Um, and that, I mean, I that, think it was the first time they'd ever been there. Then, yeah, you know, we were the per- perfect guests because we allowed them to win, and they were very happy. Yeah, well, they, <laughs> that, that's what I, that's what I mean, friend. Fran, you're 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 an absolute gentleman. And that, but it was uh, uh, it was a great. I enjoyed it. A lot of people talk about it as the bad uh, bad news tour, mm-hmm. 
because uh, it came off the back of two, you know, 71, 74, when the lines were uh, successful. Uh, we had a terrible weather when it rained. Well, the, the official st- uh, stats were three days out of four, it rained for three and a half months. Poof. Uh, which is, you know, yeah, we're used to it over here, yeah, yeah. but not so consistently. I mean, you don't mind playing in it, but when you've got a train in it all the time. Yeah. Uh, of course, it affected you know the afternoon when you're free and you want to do a bit of sightseeing or play golf or whatever. It kind of inhibited that, so it it did have a damper on the uh, uh, on the trip. And then we lost when we should have won. We had you know we had a, a, a pretty good team and that we were a better team than the All Blacks, but they, uh, as always, seemed to work a way out some somehow to win a game. Yeah. So. Um, no, I loved it. You know, being away for that, I couldn't understand the quantum number of the Welsh boys used to get homesick. I thought, homesick? <laughs> On the tour, I'm thinking, I've never put my hand in my pocket, I can't buy a beer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it sounds fantastic. What do you want to go, to go home for? Yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I, love the, I love the tours. They're the highlights of my career. Are they? Are they? Both the England and the uh, Lions tours I went on. I just loved touring. Isn't is that the case, Fran? You loved it so much that you left the day after you got married to go on a tour. <laughs> is that true? That's not quite. It's not quite true. No, no. I'm sure. I'm sure that's what no, I heard. We, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. We, uh, I insisted because we got married in the season in October. Right. I insisted that the wedding was on a Monday. Yeah. Uh, and that we returned from our honeymoon on the. Friday, so Pat could drop me off at the team hotel when Lancashire were playing Yorkshire. That's it. That's it. You need to. You need <laughs> to speak. Reminds yeah. me, she reminds me to this day. She said that <laughs> after my honeymoon, I had to return home on my own. Forty-four years on, and she still brings it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose stepping away from uh, your your career, my I mean, I I love rugby. I I don't watch enough of it these days, um, but. I do have slight concerns about about the game at the moment. Um, from a, I guess, from a personal level, I'm not finding it as entertaining as I used to. That might just be a, a shift in in my view. But it, the the space has, has has gone, hasn't it? Do you do you feel the same way, or are you still finding it as as enjoyable to watch as you always have? Well, I think the uh, we've got to divide them up professional game and basically uh, the amateur game. But the uh, the professional, we're just going through, I think, a, a pretty negative phase in uh, uh, in rugby where, you know, when you hear the England fly off saying that having the ball is like having a ticking time bomb, I mean, yeah. that is just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so at the moment, defences are very much... Uh, uh, on top, but not, I think a lot of it is the uh, the mindset uh, of the coaches at the moment. I mean, I I loved watching the World Cup in uh, out in Japan. Yeah, and I absolutely loved watching the Japanese team. It's fantastic. Because first of all, we got for the few years been brought brought up over here where the scrum half kicks four to five is a box kick. Mm-hmm. First scrum off, never kicked it. He never kicked the ball. Yeah. And they just kept the ball, kept the ball, kept the ball, kept it. Played fantastic rugby. So it, it is a mindset. If you want to play box kicking, you know, for the whole game, that's one mind. Or you take the Japanese approach. So I just think we're in a negative phase. But I do, I, I do still love watching a really good game of. Uh, top-class rugby. Yeah, I think I think Bristol... I mean, the, bigger da- the biggest danger is in the amateur game where, you know, uh, a lot of clubs that used to run five, six teams now run two and sometimes only one. And there's been a removal of this kind of belonging to a club. Yeah. You know, when I played, you were a member of the club and it was more than just playing rugby. Yeah. You were there to play rugby, but of course you were there to paint the rugby post in the summer and all all the activities that surrounded the uh, the club. Were well, now the uh, the lads come along and they just want to play the game and go. 
Yeah, I think I was the same. We I did eighteen years at, uh, at at Northern where I where I where I, where I met met Ian and sort of we we trained there twice a week. We stayed after after the match on Saturday. We we worked behind the bar. We helped organise socials. We did barbecues. Sort of cleared the pitch, and it was and it was absolutely fantastic. I I I yeah, yeah. I, I loved it, and it's it's sad that's 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 drifting. I mean, yeah, I think I think they're missing out on a hell of a lot. I, re- I really do because that feeling of being part of a club, all your mates are there. Uh, you know, you used to train with them, play with them, socialise with them. Uh, I agree, it was fantastic. I loved it. I wonder. I mean, I I wonder if part of that is, and I don't want to go into it too much depth, but I just wonder if if you're losing people at a young age because parents don't want want them to play because of the 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 perceived physical dangers of the game and it is a and it is a physical game that sort of comes through in all the all the press at the moment doesn't it with the with, with the recent um case being brought by former players about concussion you look at rob burrow and doddy rear and sort of the, the exploring the the links to their um situations from from sort of incurring numerous knocks and i guess if you're taking away that foundation of six seven eight year olds coming down to Northern in my case or Stockport in your grandchildren's case, if they're not yeah, yeah. if if they're not gonna be there, then you're not I think you're unlikely to pick up rugby probably at twelve, thirteen, fourteen, because it is quite a complicated game and and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it is it's it's sad really. We see that that's not my experience of going to watch uh, Charlie and Benji. Oh really? Yeah, you know, when I go to uh, Stockport uh, to watch them, it, it is actually uplifting to see the number of kids running around chasing a rugby ball on a Sunday morning. It's just fantastic. And you know, when we uh, have been to visit other clubs who are hosting Stockport, exactly the same. So I don't think, I mean, that's quite a recent thing of all the publicity ro- uh, regarding concussion and so forth. Yeah. And they, you know the uh, world uh, world rugby and the uh, the governing bodies have got got a real issue to address there to make sure that the game is as safe as you can make it. Yeah, uh, uh, which is but, a big change, uh, isn't it? I mean, that's a big change from your day, I guess, where you probably got a splash of water and on you go. Oh yeah, yeah. We used to, well, you used to have the, the days of the magic sponge. The magic sponge. You, yeah, smelling salts. You were down there laid out and suddenly ran on with a bucket and a magic sponge. <laughs> For some reason, they used to always stick it down your shorts. But <laughs> there's not, nothing wrong down there. Yeah. What are you doing? Uh, I must try that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it certainly woke you up anyway. No, they've got to be very, very careful there. You know, but I still think, and I say to Ian and Rachel, mm. you know, when I look back at the things you benefit from by playing a sport like rugby is just fantastic because I do think rugby uh, is exceptional in producing good people. Yeah. They've got the right right values and uh, I think that's important that we stress that as much as the the risk element and there's always going to be a risk. Yeah, no, agree. I mean, Fran, that that links very well, I suppose, into... Leaving um, so the, the rugby focus behind. I suppose before we do that, I, I, my, I had three questions written down about the rugby, and you've told us about your hardest, uh, the, the hardest opponent you played against. Um, I suppose the, you suggested the the touring aspect was the hardest opponent you played against. Um, I suppose the, you suggested the the touring aspect was the, was your favourite part. Is that your sort of your favourite memory of of being? Being away, do you agree? Oh my, I, yeah. I, I mean, there's the several, several uh, uh, um, really memorable moments. Uh, top of the list was 1974 in uh, third test when we won the series yeah. in uh, Port Elizabeth against the Springboks, and uh, were there. There were lots of photographs of us carrying Willie John off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a fantastic moment, and particularly on the first line story, just a wonderful moment. England winning the Grand Slam in 1980, the first time since 1957, I think. So 
<clears throat> that was a uh, fabulous moment. And I think the two northern wins, you know, the uh, the game in Workington, the game at Otley, those would be, be the four highlights of my rugby career and the things that I uh, remember most fondly. Yeah, I mean, those, those, those northern games and the stories, I can't imagine what it was like for you, but I like to imagine how fantastic it was and just sort of backs against the wall, us versus them, just outstanding. So, yeah, I, mm. I, can, I can understand that. Well, just, just finally on the north, mm. I was captain of the first ever north divisional team uh, to play, and that was in 1971, and we played against the uh, southwest at Exeter. And lost narrowly, 17-14, something like that. In the whole of the 70s, we never lost another game against either any other division in the country or any touring team throughout the 1970s. So that shows you the talent within the North at the time. And, you know, as important, the kind of pride that people, you know, you felt as though there was a real belonging of playing for the North. Just like you were saying, I'm a Northerner. Pr- yeah, I don't ram it down people's throat, but I'm very proud of being a Northerner. I love being a Northerner mm. because we, we, you know, we got something different than uh, other parts of the country. Yeah. You know, different, slightly different values, a bit more grit about us, you know, and uh, everybody played for the North, wanted to play for the North. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing. Um, one of the highlights there, 1980, the Grand Slam, um, year before uh, you, well, a big year, I suppose, 1981, uh, a year you retired from rugby and uh, the year I was born. So a big year for us both. Um, yeah. So, um, I I mean, we've, we've not mentioned it, we've just assumed it, but obviously it was an amateur game when you were, you were playing you you were a teacher, weren't you, during your playing days? Is that, is that correct? That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was the perfect uh, profession to be in if you wanted to play lots of rugby. Yeah, and uh, and 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 when you finished, did you continue? Did you continue teaching for a few years, or where did you go? From I there? did for uh, I think for uh, two years afterwards, mm-hmm. and then I uh, went to. Um, uh, the Distributive Industries Training Board, which was a, um, a government qu- government quango, really, yeah. that uh, was there to <clears throat> introduce training programmes and training plans into uh, retail uh, businesses, mainly. Uh, so so it, was a, it was still uh, on the educational uh, ladder. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, that actually folded the uh, DITB, right. and that's when I joined Bukta, which was an old sportswear business, mm-hmm. as the national sales uh, manager. Right. Uh, that was then uh, bought by French Connection, Crikey. obviously famous fashion brand, where yeah. myself and Smitty ran uh, the sports section for two years, and then we said, look, you know, we're coming up with all the ideas here, boys, and uh, the guy who owns it just financing it. Why don't we do it ourselves? Yeah. And that's how Cotton Traders was uh, was formed in 1987. When you uh, when you say Smithy, I obviously know that Steve Smith, who was your England captain, you mentioned, and also teammate. And I think you're uh, you've been close friends for for, for years, haven't you? Um, oh yeah. yeah, never forget. Uh, when you and Susie came to his house and all he could say, I've got a jock in the house. I've got a jock in the house. <laughs> what are you doing, Fran? What are you doing? <laughs> what, what, will, what will people think? Yeah, um, The concept really came from uh, when you uh, <clears throat> when you met a lot of your rugby mates. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them used to go down the pub in their old school shirt. Yeah. Because it was comfortable, relaxed, casual, normally great colours. Yeah. And thought, well, yeah, rugby, yeah, it was at a time when uh, a lot of things that normally you'd associate with only athletes wearing were now were becoming uh, mainstream fashion. 
Yeah. We have trainers, tracksuits. Uh, why not the rugby shirt? And that's where the concept began from. Uh, and then uh, we started with the international shirts, which, of course, none of them were uh, were licensed. Yeah. So anybody could have anybody could have done the in the early days what we did, but they didn't. Uh, they weren't quick enough on for Mark and didn't really understand it. Were you nervous, Fran, doing that? Was that was that a big jump for uh, you? I was well nervous in the sense that I, I, I knew it was a, uh, a risk to start any business, and particularly as I had a wife and two children at the time. Yeah. But uh, you know, myself and Steve talked about that. I said, "Well, you know, if it all fails, <clears throat> we're confident we can get a uh, a decent job somewhere. So let's give it a go." So that was the kind of mindset we went into it with. Yeah, and then I um, again just reading a bit on the Cotton Traders website and elsewhere. Um, well, I've already misphrased it, but there was the, uh, the the famous white white pant advert on the back of or on one of the um, Sunday newspapers, and I think it's been badged as one of the most successful print copy um, adverts of, 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 of all time. Right, famously called the White Story. White Story, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, we uh, <clears throat> well, dearly, you'll know yourself. Early days of a business, you. Uh, <clears throat> trying to look after every penny and yeah. Steve was going out with a uh, uh, a girl who was a model at the time in London mm-hmm. so she uh, for the f- photographic shoot she organised their uh, one of her uh, uh, girlfriends who was also a model and one of the boy models to come up who did it for nothing Yeah, we had a cut price deal with a photographer and uh we used a uh, uh, an ad agency in London called Lavery Row, who were not easy to deal with, but all credit to them, they just came up with a great, great ad, which said seven combinations from three England captains. That yeah. was the headline. Yeah. And uh, then, then the rugby shirts, and you know, there was myself, Steve, who was captain, and Tony Neary, who was their initial investor. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that was the beginning of the White Stone. It ran for, ran for three years. It was a phenomenal amount of uh, uh, business we did off that one ad. Fantastic, isn't it? Uh, so it was a it was a great start. That's for sure. I always remember we we outsourced initially. We outsourced all our uh, uh, accountancy to a company called Beaver and Struthers in Manchester. And I remember about. Seven or eight months into it, the uh, the partner that phoned us up, he said, uh, "Are you paying any of your suppliers?" I said, "Hey, we you know, we're paying uh, paying to the terms. No, no issues there." He said, "Well, you've got a million pounds in the bank." I said, "Well, we're selling lots of shares." Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so we thought we must we mustn't be paying anybody. Was that was? <laughs> Were the shirts a bigger success than you thought? I mean, was that? Oh, yeah. You yeah. yeah. You couldn't have imagined it. And we didn't know that really that much about home shopping. Right. Because uh, we, um, I remember saying to Steve, our first ad was in the uh, the rugby world, which what we didn't realise, of course, is the rugby world, the distribution of the magazine was over a period of time. Mm-hmm. So uh, when it was first out on the Monday, I, I was so excited. I drove down to the sorting office and you know walked in. Okay, give us all the sacks of mails. And, uh, he gave me three envelopes. I thought, oh no, oh, no. no this is a disaster. Yeah. Anyway, the first ad we had, uh, mainstream ad we had, was the following Sunday, which was in the uh, Mail on Sunday. Yeah. And I remember saying to Steve, look. Don't bother coming in Sunday, Steve. I'll handle the phones, and uh, you know, if need be, I'll give you a ring. And about nine o'clock, the phones are like Chris, you know, Christmas trees going off. The uh, the lights flashing, and yeah, I just look. You better get in here and bring some help. <laughs> and uh, that was the beginning of it. And with no idea then that we we're going to get loads of post. Just so, nice. Uh, yeah, you know, we come in on Tuesday morning. I can't get in the office because there's so much post behind the door. 
Amazing, isn't it? So it was a, the swing from despair on the uh, on the Monday when he got three envelopes to uh, yeah. suddenly having all this silly order. So it was a great start, you know, and it's uh, always very important for a new business. Well, yeah, and it's it's, it's interesting that because when it is your own business, you you obviously have faith in the concept, but that's why you put your savings and your time and so your heart and your sleep with it. But you never know. Yeah, you? you never know until no, the phone no, rings. No, no, you never know. Yeah. You, well, you always think you've got a uh, a great idea, yeah, hundred percent belief in it, and uh, but you never know until you do it. How how important, or what did you take from rugby into business? I mean, was there anything that you learned from that, or am I clutching at straws a bit? No, I think there's an enormous amount you were uh, taking uh, from it. You know the. Uh, I mean, in terms of rugby, I mean, it, uh, you've got to have discipline and uh, hard work if you're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think the other thing it gives you is great people skills. And the more and more you get involved in uh, in business, you realise that the you know they're probably some of the most important skills you can have dealing with people, uh, you know, treating people in the right way. Yeah. The ability to suss people out, to manage people properly, all those things that you're doing in a rugby context, but you don't really know you're doing it. Yeah. But you learn from it. Training so on that. There's an enormous amount you can um, learn from it. And I always say to Ian, I said, Benji's an exceptionally bright lad. Mm-hmm. But the great thing Charlie's got from terrific people skills, he's really good with people. I said, look, they're probably the most important skills in life. You can't teach them, can you? I don't think you can't teach sure. them. He's just Charlie's exceptional. So, yeah, uh, no, no. So I think there's a hell of a link between the things we uh, learn from rugby. I always say that rugby is a, uh, it's really a great. Uh, a great map for how society should operate because I always say, look, if you, you know, you're going to a rugby club, you know, socially everybody's equal. They yeah. can care less you're the banker, you're the bricklayer. Nobody's really bothered. You just come here and uh, you're all tr- treated the same. You're equal. You're a team and you've got a common objective, you know, yeah. trying, to, uh, trying to win a game of rugby. Uh, it's a team for all sizes and skill levels. So if you're a big, tall guy or little scrum half, uh, or you're a fat, fat guy who plays front row and doesn't handle the ball very much, so there's something within that, that and everybody's appreciated uh, for what they bring to the team. Now, what a great model for life. Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely spot on. Absolutely spot on, and I'm 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 really pleased that my parents pushed me down that route because um, they they saw that and agreed with that, but they weren't rugby folk themselves. So it's it's quite a big sacrifice when you're not really into it to come and stand in the wet and cold on a on a pitch in, in the northeast for many years, and and they <clears throat> love it. But but ultimately, I think it was a to get me out of the house, but b because they saw that 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 long term long-term benefit and again meeting different people i struggled at university rugby i i was slow but you can carry it off a bit in men's rugby and all of a sudden i went from school where everyone knew here and you're, you're, you, you 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 will you are what you are i went into men's rugby in the northeast i was playing with plumbers foresters barristers all sorts of people just different view on life it's just so good for you and, yeah. and ultimately <laughs> uh a a uh, a chap turned up with uh, frosted highlights um, on a training session <laughs> one one Tuesday night. He was a he was a bit of a ball player, and uh, I just about got myself sort of as the starting twelve of the, the first team. Then I remember remember this chap turning up in full Adidas gear, frosted highlights, and I thought, God, this guy looks like a bit of a ball ball carrier, and he's got decent hands. So I spent spent two hours um, battering uh, who is now your son-in-law and is now my best friend and I I battered him in touch I hit him late on the contact sessions I'd stand on his toe I was just like this is my this is my club and I've spoken to Ian about it since and he uh, 
and he said after that session I thought why on earth am I going to come and train train at this club and he and he phoned his dad and said number 12 is a real real idiot and, and anyway we uh it, it 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 took a few weeks and it just you just it it it, it soon came came to the forefront that he's just a very incredibly talented um in terms of skills front row forward and my number 12 shirt was safe for a for a few more months so great for yeah. life but just in terms of making friends it's just just yeah. just the best thing isn't it he always talks in with great affection about northern rugby club he said he absolutely loved it the time he uh, he spent there i think we all grew because up sort of it, then yeah. you were looked at you know the uh, the old the older guys who had a few bob in the pocket used to buy a few beers and so we just you were just so well looked after and appreciated and uh, you know travelled all over the northeast playing games. I said it was just it was wonderful. That was amazing, and we we were very lucky. The the club it was just the time when everyone was getting new kits, so we we were at the forefront. We were getting it, it was like to us it was like being a Lions tourist. So you you would you would get a bag with your initials on, your number on, vest, t-shirt, shorts, tracksuit, beanie, and it was just incredible. <laughs> And and there we are, sort of playing low level rugby, but walking around like we're, we're off to the World Cup. It was, it, it, it sort of wasn't the not not just the best time of our of, of our lives, but it was certainly up there. It was just such good fun, and we were we were we were we were very very lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so retired from rugby. Um, I suppose Fran, talking now, the last year's obviously been a bit different for us all, and. Um, how have you found the last 12 months? You've obviously been at home and lots of Zoom calls and that sort of thing. I, 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 uh, well, uh, we're very lucky because we live in quite a rural uh, area. Yeah, beautiful. So the great thing is myself and uh, Pat have been able to get up regularly out into the fresh air without any uh, uh, problems. Yeah. The issue really has been, uh, you know, you want to first of all, you want to uh, spend time with your family, and that's kind of been restricted in some yeah. ways. But yeah. so you miss that in socialising with your friends, yeah, uh, and going on holiday. We um, cancelled. We had about three or four holidays lined up uh, last year, all all of them being cancelled. So uh, yeah, we're coping pretty well, but good. it is. It does get pretty boring. It's quite hard not having something to look forward to. So you've got your your, your holidays you had lined up, and not and not having that that experience to look forward to, and then talk about afterwards does make it a bit yeah. mun, a bit a bit mundane. I've I'm I ha, I've been saying a lot, and there's a, a few of the guys down here who've who've met Ian, and we went to the grand final last year for my birthday with Ian, and a couple of guys from Windsor, and we're all just. Ward us on a on a on a leash, just ready to get ourselves up to the northwest when we can, and get maybe a maybe a hill walk in and some and some sporting events under our belt, and just try and get some 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 return to normality and appreciate how 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 nice that sort of thing is. Hasn't got to be a big holiday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, crikey, Fran, we've mentioned it a few times, but if if we ever get the chance again to either go to the to the grand final that day, we went ended up in Smithy's house or. If we, if, if we, or, or if we, if we get a, a, a away day with with St Helens, they're just just fantastic times, aren't they? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I loved it. Uh, Ian's become a bit of a country pumpkin, you know. Well, and I, 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 he's he's loving the uh, long walks. Um, and oh, I, I love yeah. it. Yeah, I loves it up here. And the um, at the back of the uh, the farmhouse we've got here, mm. at the top of the hill, there's an old. Well, he calls it a body. It's like a uh, old shepherd's uh, stone-built uh, kind of uh, building on the top there. Mm-hmm. And he comes up and he loves these open fires and cooking bacon and eggs with the guys on the It's just fantastic, the isn't it? Fire. Yeah. He, he must have been up half a dozen times in the last two months. <laughs> yeah, just so nice, just outside. And he's, he's, think he's, uh, he's got himself in good trim, you know. He's uh, pretty fit. Well, Fran, that's what happens if you sign up to the uh, Bindfit training uh, routine. Kettlebell, kettlebell, <laughs> and a uh, and a video call with me on a Sunday morning. It, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Results don't lie. Anyway. <laughs> um, a couple of things, Fran. Before I let you go, probably having spent weekends with you and days with you, I could talk to you all day about anything because, as I say, you're just such 
a welcoming and friendly guy and, and, and I've hopefully you've enjoyed this as much as I have because it is it's, it's, it's just great yeah, yeah. It's, it's just great catching up and um, some of your stories are just are just eye-openly interesting and I, and I, and I, and I, I'm really grateful that you're you're, you're sort of prepared to share that with me and probably my two listeners so thank you thank you very much every episode this is my second episode um, I ask right. four I ask four questions to the to, to the to the person who's kindly given their time um, and, okay, yeah. and those four questions are as follows um, what advice would Fran of 2021 give to uh, give to Fran when he was 20, 20 21 years old himself Tough question. Uh, well, the problem there is I wouldn't change anything I've done, so I'm, I would just <laughs> say, look, uh, keep that uh, keep that belief and uh, focus that uh, you know you can make the grade because I always wanted to be a good rugby player. Yeah, and that was my focus basically um, for the early part of my life. I wanted to be a good rugby player. My father was a uh, professional rugby league player my brother was yeah so it was a rugby family so but I think you've got to have that belief that you can get there yeah and uh, never lost that belief uh, you know through senior school starting playing senior rugby that I could actually make it as a uh, as a good rugby player and that belief obviously continued in business didn't it because if you're putting adverts out there not knowing if it's going to come out come off or not Deep down, you believe you you believe that it's going to. You've, well, you've got to have that belief, and of course, you've always got the doubting Thomas, somebody yeah. whispering in your ear that you know, uh, you know, is he good as you think you are, or you know, is that a good idea, or so forth. And so, you've got a lot of people trying to uh, uh, dampen you down, but you've got to keep that enthusiasm, belief in the project that you've got. Uh, and of course, yeah, you've got to be smart enough to learn when you, you know, nobody gets it 100% right. You've got to be smart enough to know when you've done something wrong, why you did it wrong and what you can do quickly to rectify it. So, but belief is, uh, belief. is so important in everything you do in life. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, that's very, very, very sound uh, advice. I think it's a very English thing, British thing to question yourself, isn't it? And I think sort of everyone probably suffers a, a bit of uh, imposter syndrome at some stage in their life but if you can if you can just keep on going then yeah I, I, I completely agree very important um, also uh, second question um, and I suppose it's a bit of a split but what was when you were playing or when you were um, at, at the height of, of, of business what was sort of your daily non non-negotiable in your in your routine did you have to train was there a need to sleep or did you do anything every day which you think helped make you the success or achieve the success or was it just the belief and and drive uh well i was always a good trainer which was part of the uh the belief and drive of, that you need if you're going to reach the uh the top in either sport or business or any walk of life you, mm. you've got to have those things so uh I was always a very committed trainer to the extent that uh, I remember uh, <clears throat> Manchester City were ahead of the time uh, when they had Joe Mercer and uh, Malcolm Allison were their uh, manager and coach. Yeah. And I always remember that they'd uh, actually uh, sent off to a guy called Jim Ryan, who was the world record mile. Uh, uh, the mile record holder from the USA uh, for his training routine and I wrote to them and they sent me the routine yeah and myself and my brother Big D, Big D in the summer religiously followed the routine mm -hmm. so was that showed you the, the kind of drive yeah. that uh, we had and um uh, yeah, that's that's really never left me the same drive in business you know to uh, work hard believe in what you're doing and you know overcome the disappointments you know you've got to got to be able to pick yourself up because there will be disappointments yeah but you've got to get back up and try again keep on going and then fran last two questions um every every lucky guest on the uh, on the buying pod 
gets a um, a bit of a bit of merchandise sent to them. Um, your choice. We either have uh, a a a cap or a nice uh, woolly hat. Um, I know you like your walk, so both would be both would be suitable. Is there a, is there a preference which I can send you? Uh, woolly hat would be great. Woolly hat. It is. It is coming off the. Uh, I got a text yesterday. They are coming off the uh, production line, so I'll collect them um, at some point in the next few uh, few days, um, and I'll uh, I'll I'll send one north for you. Yeah, the so. biggest you've got. <laughs> okay. Brilliant. No, thank you. No, no problem. Yeah. And yeah. then my very last question is, obviously you can have a think about it if you like, but um, at the outset, just mention that is there anyone who you think um, you could pass me on to to have a conversation with next time um, someone you think would be willing to spend an hour or so um, talking about anything really um, I'd be I'd be very grateful uh, we've obviously got Smithy I'd le- yeah, yeah I'd love to have a chat with Steve I'll make sure that we have uh, the uh, the uh, the bagpipes in the uh, background and a bit of haggis for him just to just to just just to get him in the mood and really yeah yeah Susie might make a guest appearance. Uh, yeah. But no, uh, friend, she, that'd be amazing. Does she, does she want to be? Yeah, does she want to be going back to an independent Scotland? Um, that's a that's a very good question. I don't think so. No, no. Um, I think um, I think speaking to uh, Suze and her dad about it, they they would rather keep the. Um, Keep the keep the union, understand the the economic uh, impact of making making that choice. But it's it's looking at it's going that way, isn't it? In terms of the yeah, groundswell, I, I couldn't believe it's emotional because you know brave art and all that kind of stuff. Because yeah. you look at the economic argument, they must be mad. But then if you look they at must be yeah mad, if you look at any argument though at the moment, it's all emotional, isn't it? Because it, it, oh, yeah. yeah, no one looks at economics, even the. Even yeah. even the lockdown gets overridden. The impact on of lockdown on the economy gets gets overridden. I think it'd be it would be a great shame. I think. I agree. I mean, we uh, we've done done so many great things together. Yeah. Uh, to split that up, you know, the most successful political, monetary, and fiscal union ever. To break that up, I mean. It's just it will be unforgivable, quite honestly. Yeah, and you but, don't go uh, back, do you? That 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 doesn't re- re- return. It it's it's a yeah, but, it's a. I, I don't think the other thing they realise that you know, let's say they have the vote, it's going to take four or five years to negotiate the separation. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine how com- complex it's going to be. Three hundred odd years of. Uh, uh, of union, you got to unpick it, and you know how much of the national debt are you going to take on, and all the other yeah. massive issues. How much of the oil do we get? Yeah, yeah, no. So, it would, uh, uh, anyway, anyway, look, Fran. Um, let's, hope, let's hope it doesn't happen. No, I, I agree. Um, let's hope this lockdown gets lifted because, as much as I love talking to you on, on on the phone, I do want to head north and catch up with uh, you and yours um, in, in in due course. Um, it's been. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, I really look forward to yeah. That. and look, thank you so much. I, I, I really appreciate appreciate it, and hopefully, um, hopefully, I can put together something which I'll send to you, and it, and, and it sounds good. Very good. All Give right. I love to see you in the gang. Yeah, will do. Thank you.